Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Getting Hammered. I'm Mary Catherine Ham. I'm your host. I'm here with my friend Vic Mattis. Vic, in this hectic holiday season, how are you doing? I'm doing much better. Now that I've had this Viennoiserie basket brought to us from our producer, Alex Nestor. It's a Viennoiserie. You know what a Viennoiserie is? I don't is? know what that a is. Viennois- anything with the word Vienna is good, even Vienna sausage. But a Viennoiserie is a fancy way of saying a basket of pastries. Oh, I love that. And they're usually a bunch of little pastries uh, to give you the illusion that you can, that it's okay to have more than one. <laughs> yes. Right? But a real, I mean, but if even with one pastry, do you ever feel... Like, one is enough, though. They're like, oh, okay, good. I had perfect matter. Or do you always feel secretly, you know what, I can have more? Uh, I can, as long as it's a chocolate croissant, give me three. Unlimited, right? <laughs> a three. You can have that. I bet you could. I could. I mean, you probably feel terrible about yourself. Uh, and I always wondered about this. Uh, if, if you ever did a, like a, a press breakfast, and I used to do these press breakfasts particularly, the ones I used to do is... Uh, for embassies mm-hmm. because they're always good. Oh, they get the good, they get <laughs> right. the good well, stuff Well, as you know, there. when I used to do serious uh, coverage, international coverage. Very serious. Very serious. And so I would go over to like, the, the for example, the German ambassador's residence or something. And it would be a press breakfast because, you know, like Yashka Fisher's visiting the foreign minister or somebody. So, okay, I'm going to show up for this thing. You got to get up so early, which back in the day when you didn't have kids, it was impossible. Like, oh, yeah. Who is up at eight? Oh, at my first at my first uh, newspaper job, when they had to have me cover yes. something at like nine in the morning, I'd be like, "I'm up with the farmers, everyone." Right here, I am. Right, who would do this? <laughs> who would do this? And then you get your plate. You know, it's if it, if it's a continental kind of a breakfast. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's an actual breakfast, which is wonderful. But oftentimes you help yourself and you sit down, and then it begins, and then you're looking down at your plate, and your your plate's now empty, mm-hmm. and you think to yourself. Is it okay for me, etiquette-wise, in the middle of this discussion of Germany's Middle East policy after 9-11, to just get up in this really large hall with a tall ceiling in the long <laughs> dining room? Just traverse. Yeah, you know, and the, and the chair makes a noise, you know, and then you're like, go all the way down to the corner because the, the table is tucked in the corner and just get yourself another one. And for the longest time, you know, like, that's all in my mind is like, I need more. And then at, and ultimately it wins over because I'll tell myself, well, journalists are shameless. Yeah, well, and you know, someone's got to do it. Just like someone, <laughs> the ha- someone, be a has, someone has to be the first person at the Thanksgiving table. You know, oh, if, you actually... have a, if you have a family buffet sort of set out, you have somebody has to go first. You, somebody has got to go and first. And Vic is the man for I, that job. I'm the person. Uh, how, are, how are you? I'm good. Your Vienna sausage uh, <laughs> note Excuse reminded me. me. Oh. <laughs> reminded yeah, it's a family me family show this is uh it's gonna get even more uh-huh. more bad here yeah. uh that this is my apocalypse superpower which is that i enjoy <laughs> potted meats oh yeah so i that always is a superpower i always tell everybody like if like when the apocalypse comes y'all been making fun of me for enjoying peanut sausages don't use these drops uh <laughs> and now that's all we got Yes. That's all we got. That's right. It's one thing that will survive the supply chain is the potted meats, the yes. deviled ham. The deviled ham. You know, or the chicken Vienna paste. Sausage. Yes. Isn't deviled ham just Vienna sausages Ground? crushed up? I always thought of deviled ham. Well, potted meat. <laughs> Let's just say potted meat is, you know, and you can fancify it because, you know, yeah. you're like, oh, it's like ground into a lovely paste. It's pate. It's a, it's a pate. It's a pate. <laughs> I'm always picturing it closer to like corned beef. And we used to have that growing up every Filipino household has to have corned beef, Libby's corned beef in the can, you know, and, wow. and the Vienna sausage. And 
it is in a way. I mean, it's a it's a paste, and I like it. I think it's quite. You could spread it on. I'm not mad. Wonder, at it. I've had it spread on Wonder Bread. Yes. It's delicious. That's living. We're going to make it. We're going to. I don't know about anybody else. And you know, the shelf life, I think the stuff that I, we used to have when I was a kid, it's still good. Yes. No, that's that's part it. of it. That's part of it. You right. can go gathering the old stuff and you'll be fine. So three cheers for potted meat. <sighs> what else is happening? This is how we're going to save the world. Um, well, uh, I've been Christmas shopping oh a lot. In person or online? Online. I, I can't imagine how we used to do it all in person. Just go and wander around a mall. You had to have a game plan. Ooh, ooh, I I can't even imagine. So now I just order things, and this now I feel spoiled because now that I'm thinking about it, my parents did did much harder work than I do. Oh yeah. But I'm ordering stuff, and I'm ordering stuff, and I'm ordering stuff, and I feel like I'm never making any progress. And then I realize that's because there's like 25 people on my list. I thought you were going to say it's a handful of people with a lot of gifts. No. No, you just you get, just, a, you get gifts for a lot of people. We get gifts for a lot of people. And as uh. my, my husband said the other day, he, he called it, well, we streamline it through you. And I'm like, oh. is that what we call it, streamlining? <laughs> Although I will say for him. i got to use that line. <laughs> i got to say for him, he's, uh, he's very good at coming up with ideas for people. And that's half the battle. So I, I'll, I'll tap him every now and then for several ideas. And then I just get to do the ordering and the wrap. He's an ideas man. <laughs> He's very good at gift giving, actually. Really? So he'll take care of me, and I'll have some really good gifts. And then if his are not great, I'll be like, I, we streamlined it through me, babe. Do you, think, do you think of yourself as an easy gift recipient? And what about Steve? Uh, Steve is hard to shop for because he buys everything he wants for himself. Uh, He's one of those. And he'll do it in November. And I'm like, can you just not? Could you just pause? Yeah, yeah Kate will tell me. Stop buying things for right. yourself. Right. Just, just pause okay, for a little fine. bit. Three, take three mm-hmm. weeks off and you'll get what you want mm-hmm. in December. I understand that that's not efficient. <laughs> I I think I'm pretty easy to shop for. I mean, food items. <laughs> oh, that's me. Food and drink. Yeah. I'm very easy. You'd be fine. Come yes. On. That's all you need. Uh, so I'm, I'm stressing a little bit, but it's okay. We're going we're gonna to make it through. It's a, it's a press to the end of the week and the kids are going to be off with the grandparents. We're going to make it. By the way, in all of this, the kids' presents really get short shrift because I'm buying for so many people and I'm like, ah, it's fine. They'll get plenty from the grandparents and Santa, obviously. Well, that's true. Yeah. That, that's true. And when they're young enough, I don't know what their expectations are for how many, what, you know, what they want. If they're yeah. young enough, anything gift is great, right? Or the wrapping for the gift. Yes, boxes. That was me. Boxes are very exciting for them. So we will, we will handle it. Oh, by the way, one, one more quick question. Where are you in your get back journey? Oh, uh, I just finished the second episode. Okay. So now they're about to practice for the rooftop concert. Yes. And I had some interesting conversations with friends recently who are uh, aficionados, yes. like Warren. Our uh, super Beatles nerd fan. Yes. And of course, uh, also uh, Matt Continetti knows uh-huh. a lot. And he was, he, was, he was telling me what happened to Mal Evans, the roadie. Um, you know, so he's the big hulking guy. Mm-hmm. He's the big hulking guy, and apparently he was really, he was literally broken up. I mean, he was he was broken up by the literals being broken up literally, right? Right, uh, and never quite fully recovered. Did some other gigs here and there, and then was he was he you know I was like drug or alcohol fueled you know insanity. Police come to uh, his place, and he was like holding a BB gun or something, and he he was shot and killed. Oh no. He was shot and killed. And then, uh, so this is like, I think the late 70s. 
And then Mal's wife tried to sell a lot of the stuff like Beatles. Right. Stuff that he had in his possession until like Paul McCartney and lawyers super lawyered it and prevented him from selling. Because if he had any, if he had in his possession stuff that was written, actually, right. you know, scribbled down by Paul or John, I, I, lawyers get involved. My goodness. I know. I, I've been, I've been knee deep in everybody's Wikipedia about their romantic relationships. While I've been going through Get Back, because I've, oh, yeah. you know, there's so oh, much going on uh, there. Uh, Patty Boyd yes. is the most famous, I think, because Patty of her Boyd. relationship to George Harrison later on to Later Eric, on married to Eric, Eric Clapton, Clapton, his buddy Eric. So I've been, and then I've always been bitter about Cynthia Lennon, bless her. Uh, oh, for John her. Lennon's, for her. Yes. Yeah. John Lennon's first wife, who was given the, given the heave-ho, um, and also was kept behind the scenes to such a degree in their early days because they didn't want him to be taken off the market. Oh, yeah, for marketing right. purposes. His, for his marketing purposes, yeah. mm-hmm. he needed to look single. Mm-hmm. I should have thought um, about that with my podcast, I think. It's not mentioned the wife. Yes. <laughs> Both of us could have been oh, marketed. Oh, so much more, yeah. But, yeah, I've, I've been doing that. I've made it to the end of Get Back, and I, I don't want to spoil it for you. Spoiler alert. But when, <laughs> when I know that this is coming to an end... And the concert's happening. That they're gonna break up. Now I'm just sad again because the Beatles broke up. Even though the Beatles broke up ten years before I was born. Do you do you get the sense when they're finished? You could tell me as a spoiler. Do they are they like yeah this is the end? I it doesn't necessarily feel that way in what they're saying to each other. But I think it's all the 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 dramatic irony that you know. Oh right. That maybe the people in the room don't know mm-hmm. at that moment, and it's mm-hmm. very, it's very poignant. I found it surprising how many of the songs they rehearsed that were not Beatles songs ended up going into their solo albums. Yep. And yet, the people who performed with them were Beatles originally, and then they just bring in the other guys now, whether it be Wings or Plastic Ono or whatever. But uh, that I found really interesting, yeah, and well, that there was no claim of "Hey, wait a minute, I helped you on that." Right. Well, I will. Uh, it was it was fun to watch all those songs be written. I mean, yes, it evolved. Yes, and things that have been part of my life my entire life, mm-hmm. uh, just being created on the spot. Very I, cool. I will say one last note is I'm prob I, I can I cannot listen to two of us anymore. I've listened to it. I feel like they keep on playing it throughout the whole show. A lot it's of like times, a, at least a dozen times. I am two of us out. Is that is that is that just the? Is it a tribute to? Lennon and McCartney, right? Like, this is just the two of them. Yeah, that's the right. The two of them. Honestly, the best thing I've seen so far is their uh, rendition of um, um, uh, the uh, Everly Brothers. Oh, loved that. Yeah, because they were. They always modern themselves as Don and Phil. And you actually, and they've referred to themselves as that, but when they actually play it, they're really good. Yes. Natural harmonizing. One, one, one of those beautiful, harm, two of the most beautiful harmonizing pairs in yes. history. All right, we got to get to the news, Vic. There's news. There's news, okay. other than that the Beatles broke oh, okay, up, yeah. which happened in 1970. <laughs> uh, there's there's COVID updates. Oh boy! Several places making some new rules. All good news, I was going to say. Oh, it's good stuff. California is uh, reinstating its indoor mask mandate as of this week, middle of this week. Philadelphia has decided that uh, proof of a COVID-19 vaccine will be required to eat inside a restaurant or food establishment. The mandate is meant to help prevent another shutdown of indoor dining, which is a real Stockholm syndrome sort of formulation. Like, well, guys, we're just doing this to prevent being even meaner to you. And this is all, of course, in response to rising numbers in the Northeast and in California's added to that. I'm not sure why, mm-hmm. because their weather's fine. But the Northeast seasonality is, oh, is hitting yes. right now. So it's higher. You'll notice that it's not the fault 
of the governors of those states when the numbers go up in Pennsylvania, in New York. But when they go down. When they they go down, it's because they're virtuous. When they go up, it's because seasonality, unlike with Florida, for instance. In the UK, there's major, major moves over Omicron. So Omicron has come to the UK. It is indeed, by all accounts, very transmissible. It's, they've got a Tons of cases over there. As transmissible like a mild flu, like a common cold, you would say. Right. Uh, And so they are considering, well, first of all, they're pushing to try to get all adults boosted in Britain. A third shot. Right. Uh, And they have, you know, done some like, they're doing something like three to 500,000 boosters per day. Uh, And then a weekly shot. And then they're trying to decide whether they're going to go into further lockdowns. That is the state of the game in the UK. But here we're not doing lockdowns yet. We're not there yet. Mm-hmm. And ABC spoke with CDC head Rochelle Walensky and asked her, like, okay, well, well, when is this thing over? When is it endemic? Are we going to have masks forever? And she said, masks are for now, not forever. Uh, a question I'm sure you get probably daily about masks. Um, are they here to stay? <laughs> Oh, gosh, I hope not. Nobody wants them to be here to stay. I I will say masks are for now. They're not forever. Which on the CDC scale is actually quite encouraging. (laughs) Sure, depending on your definition of for now. Yes. Like now, not for, yeah, just in this lifetime. Well, and that's that's the problem is that she goes on to say, well, we can't abide this number of deaths. If you'll remember, Anthony Fauci had said we can't abide even flu-like numbers. Because we have a vaccine that's effective. Yeah. That's their argument is that we cannot that live was, life. That was the argument. Right. right. We cannot live life in a normal way because unlike with the flu, uh, we have this vaccine that can save us. <laughs> Except every time it hasn't. And that is not an argument against getting vaccinated. It seems to be the best way to prevent to serious, minimize, serious uh, sickness and sure. death. I will say also, to the CDC's credit, it does seem like they're dealing with Cases rather, or deaths rather than cases at this point. They seem to be they moving toward be. the this idea. This is what we've been saying all along. And now it can be said, Vic. Now it can be said. Yeah. So we're moving toward that as a metric. Mm-hmm. However, did did Rochelle Walensky sound like this is going to be over anytime soon? No. And like I always say, with the parallel pandemics, it will be over some places and other places it won't. That's right. For where we are, the answer is never. Yes. Because people, you know, even local, even your local government is going to be very much, you know, like we need to continue to be vigilant. For example, um, in the county where we are recording, they talk about cases still being very high and wearing masks indoors and being very careful about this. And uh, and the cases are up. There's no question the cases are up. And then they say, if you go to the New York Times, you know, uh, page for the county, that deaths have remained the same. And that number for the last two weeks have remained the same. The number right. is one. One. So, I mean, that's the issue. Seems the other, like a need, a need for drastic measures. Vic. That, well, exactly. And the other, well, the other thing is, of course, in, in the UK, they have a confirmed death from Omicron. Yes. Yes. They had the first worldwide confirmed mm-hmm. death, which again, no death is good, but we should uh, be mindful of the fact that we've known about this for three weeks now. And the first confirmed death is, seems, it seems like that's, that's, a that's, Good information, right? 
and and also we don't know anything about the person who died. We don't no. know if the person was immunocompromised, if he had pre-existing he or she had pre-existing conditions, the age of the person, and even in the journal story about it today in the Wall Street Journal, they said they don't know if it's actually the cause of death. The person could have died and have tested positive. Right, which is is an issue with happens. a lot of COVID yes. data as the Atlantic has covered pretty extensively. I decided to go look up our friend, Dr. Angelique Kuitsi, I'm not oh, sure yes. exactly how you say her Kuitsi. name, from South Africa, who was part of the team that discovered Omicron, because I noticed that she was in the news for about two days after this the Omicron story broke, and then she kind of disappeared. Yeah, after she started talking. So I keep looking her up to see what else she's saying, because she has firsthand knowledge of this. I mean, first firsthand knowledge of this. And uh, she seems like somebody sh- we should pay attention to. Well, I found her in the Daily Mail today giving an update about the UK government's handling of this. The UK government's handling of what Boris Johnson warned will be a tidal wave of Omicron infections, infections verges on hysteria. With predictions of one million cases by the end of the month and concerns about the NHS being overwhelmed, I gather there is talk of Christmas again being canceled and possibly a New Year lockdown. Yet you only have to look at the picture in South Africa where the world's first known cases of Omicron were spotted to realize this reaction is out of all proportion to risks posed by the variant. She goes on to say that, like, look, I've seen people with this. They're often treated at home. They're often treated with, you know, ibuprofen. Uh, you know, it's muscle aches. Yeah. It, it doesn't. They're not it doesn't, going to the hospital and getting it doesn't on a progress ventilator. beyond it's, that. Yeah. She said that unlike in the Delta spike in South Africa, mm-hmm. hospitalizations and deaths have not spiked there. And that what's interesting about this is that South Africa's population is has a large a large portion that is immunocompromised because they do have more of an AIDS yeah, HIV problem right. than other parts of the world, sadly. They also only have 25%-ish vaccinated. Yeah. So there's a low vaccination, high immunocompromised population and yet And yet they're not seeing what the rest of the world is preemptively bracing for. And hiding from when, right. in fact, exposure might be. For something that's endemic, you know, uh, the way to go is that everybody gets exposed to a milder version of this. You, through, not, I'm no doctor, but, you know, I mean, usually that's how it works. And the thing is, uh, you know, when people say, oh, well, it, it shares, you know, a lot of similarities with the common cold, genetically speaking. So... The idea is, shouldn't we be then treating this like the common cold? (laughs) In fact, there are probably some people who think, well, maybe we should treat the common cold more like uh, coronavirus. Yeah, she says there were 11 COVID-related deaths in South South Africa yesterday, far fewer than the 578 weekly average um, reported at Delta's peak. And And she does say, and she stipulates, this is not an argument against getting vaccinated, but the fact that you're not seeing really bad symptoms in unprotected people is a good sign and that they will earn their natural immunity, which could help us get through further variants. Natural immunity, which we seem to forget about in the vast majority of cases where the recovery rate, there's a reason why the recovery rate is very high. And the other thing I wanted to mention is you were talking about the Philadelphia, uh, the restaurant requirement. Yes. I assume that there will be penalties to be paid if you let in people who don't have their uh, vax card. It and would, that's how it would like get a fine. Well, and they're, and they're saying, because they don't really know how to enforce this, they're that's saying, the we hope we hope you adhere, and California is saying the same thing, we, we hope you adhere, even though we're not sure about enforcement. But the problem is, and this is the problem with all of these measures, is they're of, of 
unclear efficacy. And then, based on what? But let's, but let's put that aside. When it comes to who can adhere to them, the Wells Fargo centers, where you know you have a huge number of people at, in Philadelphia at the at the arena, are like, right. oh yeah, we can do that. We've done that before. Tiny Philly cheesesteak places are like, how do we do this? Uh, and so those are the ones who will not be able to spare the right. the money the money and time to enforce this the the staffing the idea that you have to spend time tracking this down mm-hmm. and then the lost business that may come as a result those are the ones who will suffer it's it's like it's a racket and i say this because i know for example in the district of columbia now the rule is no longer there thank goodness but they had the rule that uh, there could be no alcohol served after 10 p.m. in restaurants. Oh, do you yeah. remember this? I do. And so uh, a restaurant that I go to. From, barbaric. Barbaric. A restaurant that I go to from time to time, they were telling me that it's not only, by the way, that you can't serve. You cannot have alcohol at the table after yep. 10 p.m. Yeah, you got So at 9.50 p.m., <laughs> yes. you know, you have couples lingering over a bottle of wine. They say, you got to finish that bottle of wine before <laughs> 10 p.m. <laughs> right, because at 9.59, it's okay, but at 10 p.m., the COVID's coming out of that bottle. You know, and so, and sure enough, the whole, the point of it is a manager told me that at 10.02, an inspector walked in, immediately scanning tables, looking for who has and who doesn't, because they're, they're ready to pick up, get the money. This is all it is. We tricked them by down in half a bottle of wine and being nice and drunk by the time they walk in. Hello. I'm usually done drinking by 6 p.m. Hello, inspector. We're fine. There's nothing on this table. The, well, you'll be glad to know that uh, Walensky is still saying that fully vaccinated equals one of J&J or two of Moderna or Pfizer. For now, she says. No, we'll, we'll be up there because, exact, again, in places like in Philadelphia, I believe, it's not only that you're vaxxed, but they still want you to wear masks, I think. So just get double vax boosted and, again, and mask. Thank you. It's not, it's not that COVID is not... No. It's not that I'm a denier. It's oh, not believe that I don't me. think it's a problem. <laughs> it is just that we are not weighing the costs here. The tendency for public health officials right. is to go full cautious without weighing the other side of the ledger. And that has had a lot of bad results for a lot of people, and particularly children in large metro areas who didn't have school. I know you never heard that from me before. It has a lot of problems. We haven't weighed these things properly, and it has broken trust between public health officials and the public that the the rules keep being changed. And they don't, they're not always changed based on science. They're changed capriciously, Mm -hmm. and they're changed based on a bunch of politicians wanting to look like they're doing something. And wanting to look like you're doing something is probably going to kill a bunch of restaurants and make a lot of people really angry. But it makes you look good. Well, for for the moment. Yeah, that's right. For the moment. Speaking of looking good, Elon Musk with his new haircut is all over the front of Time magazine because he is the person of the year. You would think with $300 billion, you can have somebody... And I'm not saying you go to Kristoff, right? That's who used to go there. <laughs> Bill Clinton or Hillary used to go to Kristoff. Yeah. Uh, the I'm John not, Edwards guy. Who was the John oh, Edwards yeah, guy? Oh, yeah, right. Exactly. But it looks like it's just the shaved on the side completely. It's a look. That's, that's like a... That's that. That's that's the number. That's like a one clip or whatever. Yeah, half clip. It's, um, and then, and then, but the the then a large tuft on top. I saw a picture of him from his PayPal years, and he looked like he was losing hair on top. Oh, interesting. Oh, he's Very. got plugs. <gasps> well, I mean, he's 
He's very Alex says he, he's got plugs, but they don't look like they don't, they don't look like Joe Biden plugs. When you've got that much money, you can get good plugs. Really good. They ones. actually sacrificed one of his employees. <laughs> you know, they just took his hair. It was very quite amazing. So, it was a it was a sad moment, but a beautiful a beautiful sacrifice. Are you are you happy with him being a time man person of the year? You know what? I think it's I think it's interesting because he's interesting, and my my one gripe with him is that he does haul in a bunch of government subsidies. For Tesla, for, Tesla, for the yeah. now, this is the problem with government subsidies. He's acting rationally as a business person by not ignoring those subsidies. Right? It would be dumb to do that. But I don't think we should be giving them to the richest man in the world. Uh, but I think he has a lot of interesting ideas. I think the he sort of he comes up. He's an ideas man. Yes, <laughs> just like my there husband. There were two. There are at least two ideas men we know now. <laughs> Your husband and Elon Musk. <laughs> and we're we're going to be up to several billion very shortly. Don't you worry. No, but I, I like the the just the fun stuff he comes up with, and he does seem fun. Mm-hmm. For Definitely. as eccentric billionaires go, he's on the more fun side than the sinister side to me. Now, other people might think he's sinister, especially with the haircut, but I, I enjoy him. You know, he's not like you know. Um, like, I was say a shaved, a shaved, a bald-headed billionaire is like is like a Bond villain, which just, is somebody you know, another famous one we know, just working, you know, whose offices are down the road here. Uh, right. Uh, Jeff well, you, Bezos. Well, you remember when Bezos was who I whose industry I appreciate and and all of yeah, his accomplishments, of and they're delivering all of my Christmas presents to my house with as as little stress as possible. So I appreciate that. But remember the clip that we watched way back on the show of him trying to interact, I think, with William Shatner after oh, his after awkward. He was like had no had no way to do that. I mean they're all gonna be weirdos, but I find Elon Musk to be a more delightful weirdo. Yeah, I don't think you get there. If you earned the money yourself, not inherited, but if you made the money yourself, there's got to be, you know, I mean, everyone has their own little quirks and ticks. I'm happy that it's actually a person you can love or hate and make the argument, but 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 is he somebody who's had an impact on this country or the world here beyond? Yes, for, for sure. better for worse. Yes, like I'm I'm a combustion engine man myself, right? And and I'm not an electric cars fan, but obviously, you know, it's because of him that we're having this conversation. Right. And if, for example, if humans ever make it to Mars, it's going to be because of him or Bezos or the private sector. It's not going to be NASA at this point, yeah. right? Because they're the ones, I mean, again, reusable rockets. That's all because of him. And if it makes NASA better and other companies better, same thing with electric cars, great. Competition's always yeah. good. Yeah, I'm here, I'm here for it. That's uh, right. The tweets, on the other hand, are a little questionable. You know, and that, I... I'm torn on whether I like this or don't like it because I I enjoy a based billionaire. (laughs) As the kids say. However, however, I think he uh, I think he does damage to as as many people do. If you're that famous and that important, you do damage to your brand by having silly fights on Twitter. Now, I, as a person who's not famous or important, can have those silly fights with no cost to me. Right. Enormous costs (laughs) to this company. For example, the the Bernie Sanders tweet. You know, where he had, you know, said that we need to, you know, tax heavily, you know, the richest of the rich. Right. And he decided to reply. And his reply was, I forgot. I keep forgetting you're alive still. It's uh, <laughs> he's like the bathroom tweet is the is the craziest yeah. because he will like to. And he lets people know now that he's on the bat in the bathroom while tweeting. And one of those radical tweets, honesty. And those one of those twe- two tweets in the set of tweets was in 21 minute span. OK, that's too much time. That is too much time. That's not healthy. Not healthy. Is it on the man scale? I feel like that's 
pretty normal. <laughs> we won't get I'm into just not the getting into it. Not getting into it. No. Uh, you know, and Elon Musk might, might not appreciate this comparison, but you know who he reminds me of, or yeah. who remind me of each other, is Gary Johnson, who's the Libertarian oh, candidate for president, former former New Mexico governor. Very pro very, legalization, yes, shall we say? Yes, very pro legalization, and just like a wacko bird. Mm-hmm. But in interesting ways, and I don't agree with him on everything, but there's, there was a great, I believe it was Outside Magazine, did a profile on Gary Johnson when he was running as a libertarian candidate. And the reporter, of course, went on this big bike ride with him because Gary Johnson is driven in all yeah, areas yeah. of life. So he's a very successful businessman. He's, he's been to the top of Everest several times, I think. He's run very, very many marathons mm-hmm. and, and Ironman and things like that. And so they go for this long bike ride and they come back to his mansion in New Mexico and he's got a hot tub there and he says, Oh, my favorite thing is a soak. And he walks back into the room buck naked (laughs) and jumps, jumps into the hot tub and invites the reporter with him. And I just feel like that's the, that's the kind of vibe of, of this type of billionaire. You know, know, it's the perils of being a journalist. I don't think he's a billionaire. He's just, he's just rich. (laughs) He's very rich. You got to go there for the story. That's right. It's can't unsee that. All right, Sarah Silverman is in a fight with Joy Ann Reed of MSNBC. That's an interesting one. Not even really a fight. So Joy Reed tweeted about a CNN story about Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, starting a um, a guard, a, a sort of like a national guard for the state. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yes. a yeah. unit, a special, like, a special non-attached unit. Why am I not thinking of the word for it? At any <laughs> rate, it's a normal thing that a bunch of states have that help with natural disasters. Florida, of course, has a lot of hurricanes. Not a bad idea to have this. Much of the media elided the fact that a bunch of other states have this or buried that, uh, including blue states like California, in order to make it look like Governor Ron DeSantis is attempting to militarize. (laughs) He's going to have his own little army Mm -hmm. so that he can take over the rest of the United States or something. It was the implication, roughly. And Joy Reid sort of retweeted this idea and called it uh, fascisty bananas, which fascisty. I fascisty. I'm, I'm not even I'm not even mad about that turn of phrase. Fascisty bananas. And Sarah Silverman, a woman of the left who is a comedian, very much of the left, said, "Hey, uh, you know, like read the whole article because it points out that these other states have it too, and maybe it, that's the context of it." And so now she has she is being blamed, Sarah Silverman. For attacking Joy Reid, perhaps because she's a woman of color. Yes, it, it, it's, it's a very useful uh, shield for Joy Reid uh, to have, which is, uh, uh, you know, you, you play, she plays that race card. So the problem is, of course, Sarah Silverman, who is still, I'm sure, unapologetically on the left. Of course. Uh, but getting it's like a partial mugging by reality. Yes, right? and this happens to her every once in a while. She, yeah. I remember last year she did a great... Uh, uh, she had a little clip on her podcast about how woke ideology does not offer redemption to people and how you can't connect mm-hmm. with people that way. If there's no path to being better or to or to getting in good graces, people will get frustrated and, in fact, be repelled and go the mm-hmm. opposite direction. So she has some insight on these the, the woke wars and, and, I think, free speech issues. And she's an interesting lady who I don't, again, don't always agree with, but I think she can be funny and I think yeah. she's insightful. Some of her stuff, which... Not for this fam- family-friendly podcast is really funny. In fact, I'm going to play a little bit of audio. You can't even critique anyone in your own party without punishment. 
One of the hosts of The View was like, what hubris for Sarah Silverman to accuse a black woman of not reading. Oi, Jesus H, what the, f I, I surrender. Good grief. I don't want any trouble. I cannot believe I need to say this, but I did not criticize Joy Ann because she's black, but because she's a, a Harvard-educated journalist with the responsibility, ideally, of showing the whole picture and not just a piece of a picture. Yes. Yes, who would, who girl, would ever, yes. Who would ever think of doing that? The biggest surprise, the biggest news story there for me was that she's Harvard-educated. I did not know Yeah. That. Well... <laughs> And we're good, it's a good News thing I didn't apply. It's a good thing I didn't apply. Well, I was going to say, wait till uh, wait till Sarah Silverman, you know, realizes that you know members of the squad are not, not exactly the biggest fans of Israel. You know, you know what? I this is the other thing. I this is why I like Sarah Silverman. She has spoken out about that before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that that's all on the left. It's all I, among the. In the I like I like somebody who can surprise me, and Sarah Silverman occasionally surprises me. Is it a clumsy segue from? Uh, the squad's anti-Semitism to, to bacon. bacon? Yes, <laughs> we're doing it. Yeah, cancel me now. Speaking of which, okay. Oh, out in California, they may, they may experience a shortage of bacon because of their own dumb rules that they're making. Okay, so here's what happened a couple years ago in 2018. The voters of California voted for some animal welfare laws that would change how. A lot of food producers, but particularly hog farmers, could produce their product. Yeah. And they made this rule apply not only to California farmers, but to farmers who ship anything into California. So in order to buy these products for California, they have to meet these new new regulations. That was 2018. The law is supposed to go into effect January 1st, but in classic government style... They, they have that can down the road. They have not yet made the actual rules yeah. so none of the farms have changed and obviously none of the farms outside california mm -hmm. have changed their rules to adhere because there are no rules yet which is just a classic like overreach ignorance then some procrastination which is how i do most of my work but when <laughs> when it's gonna legislate when it's i'm not a legislator when it's gonna affect an entire industry this way, mm -hmm. huge problem. So California is bracing for this because different studies, the most friendly studies say that bacon prices could go up 8%, pork prices could go 8%. Mm -hmm. I think a more realistic on the other end of the spectrum is like a 60% jump oh my goodness. in California. Now, as you know, by my bacon index, which is how I watch for inflation, bacon prices have already almost doubled yes. in the past year. So this is not looking great for California in the near term. There is, uh, I, I, I bought bacon just the, the other day. And what I noticed was an expiration date on the bacon of that very day. Oh, really? Yes. I just, I should just well, take, throw it out. But I mean, it was in the supermarket, no. so I just left it there. Don't throw it but out. you have to check the dates. And, you, you know, know what and, I'd do? I'd march up to the yeah, uh, say, counter hey, and say, I, could I get a here? discount on this? Oh. And I'll take it, it home and feed my children. I'm just going to eat a pound of bacon. <laughs> now. So I went with another one. Uh, you know, bacon, bacon, pork in general, Ameri Americans like pork. They do. Uh, it used to be the cheapest form of meat. Now chicken it is. It used to be, so it's like uh, chicken, pork, and then beef in terms of, in terms, in terms of prices. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if it, what happens and the impact of this and if prices actually go up. We're lucky. You know, we're here in Virginia. Huge 
pork producer as well as North Carolina. Yes, um, my, my home, my home state, to the point that our our very on the nose Senator Locke Faircloth I for a while, about him, yeah. Senator Locke Faircloth, uh, who lost to Senator Edwards. That was my my first vote as an adult was, was against was against John Edwards and for Locke Faircloth. He was a hog farmer. Because ah, that's yes. a real North that's Carolina right. way to win a Senate seat. That's right. No, that's right. I mean, and that's that's not pleasant work. But we love our bacon. Anybody who I, anybody I know who is permitted. Let me put it this way: anyone who I know is permitted to have bacon, loves bacon. I don't yes. know anybody who says, "Oh, this tastes terrible," I'll pass. And, the, and the smell. Although I, I wonder about uh, vegetarians if they will concede that it smells good and it would taste good, or do well, they? They're think, always trying to. They, they're they're always trying to copy bad. it. So there must be yes, something there good are. there. I spoke. I spoke uh, recently, uh, over the weekend actually, with a person who works for uh, Smithfield Ham, which is the largest, oh, yes. the largest pork producer, I believe, in the world. I I met him at the same really? party, and I said, "My people, my I know. people." <laughs> I and he talked about the big sellers, obviously bacon, whole hams, especially for the holiday. They're much easier to cook than yes. a turkey. Uh, and, and of course, sliced ham because that's all we eat in our sandwiches. I prefer that personally over turkey sandwich. I'm going to have ham because it has flavor to it. Um, and Ooh, I, burn. I, I did, you like that against the turkey people? <laughs> I did ask, is there something that is not a big seller that, you know, that could be better? And, and you know what this person said was they've had a foray into, uh, meatless. Oh, really? Pork. Right. And it's, and that's, that doesn't surprise me. You know I think what? if you want bacon, you're going to want bacon. Yeah. The real deal. It, the, to me. Unless you're in California, then you're going to get the fake one. Well, I mean, you're you're going to have bacon in California. It, it, there's no way that it can't cost appreciably more after this. So there, there are several grocers and grocer groups and farmer groups are suing and basically saying you can't do this on January 1st because we don't know what the rules are. Good for Which them. makes perfect sense to me. In the meantime, California has said, okay, you can we can stave off immediate sort- shortages and giant prices because you can sell things out of cold storage to mm-hmm. us. And the pork industry, I found out in the story, has about 466 million pounds of pork in storage. So that can go to California in the meantime, even though it wasn't farmed under these rules. But eventually you're going to run out of the pork in, in, in the storage, which is why yeah. Vienna sausages. Oh, we come back to <laughs> Vienna sausages. Bring it full circle. <laughs> which is kind of a, it's a product. It's a meat product. It is. It is. And uh, as I said, one that I enjoy. We're going to close with a little bit of a sad story. Not a little bit of a sad story. A very, very sad story. You all know, I'm sure, about tornadoes hitting the middle or the middle of the country, Tennessee and Kentucky. Harshest. I mm-hmm. believe there are 74 Kentucky who have died as a result of these tornadoes in this huge supercell that went through. A total of about 88, likely to be more from the whole cell. Yeah. Uh, of, of those, Illinois, who, those who've passed away. And I just want to mention, from my experience, Samaritan's Purse is a great place to give that's on the ground and does good work. I also want to mention Mercy Chefs is a nonprofit that serves meals following natural, natural disasters and has set up in Mayfield, Kentucky, which is the hardest hit town, uh, relevant church in Mayfield, Kentucky. Just a couple ideas aside from great. Red Cross that you can Absolutely. give to to help these folks out near Christmas. But one local news news station covered a guy who's in Kentucky, and he's in. It's it was a viral clip of a man in Kentucky, in Bremen, Kentucky, who's playing his piano in his destroyed home. There's no roof, there's no walls, but he has a grand piano that is must be minimally damaged because he's playing a hymn 
on his piano. And then the local news went to interview him about exactly how this went down. His name is Jordan Bays, and that's beautiful. And it's such a nice sentiment in tough times. But also, I just want to know more about... His, by the way, his Chiron says Jordan Bays piano man on the local <laughs> news. And I want to know more about a guy in those coveralls and a flannel shirt and a baseball cap. Big fella. And a beard. By the way, in a Yankees hat. Also an interesting. Also interesting. And uh, and playing this grand piano in the middle of, of of all this destruction and really doing a doing a service to I, his I community. Want, I want to say you want to give him a big hug, but you also want him to hug you because yes. he's so big, you know. So. <laughs> but no, and it's and it's 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 a it's a gorgeous baby grand that he's playing on, and it's it's remarkable that that was not destroyed. I know. So a, okay. a, a, a nice way to uh, to think about That's that right. and take Jordan Bays's words with you through the holiday season. Wonderful. That wraps up another edition of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And you can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. I'm MK Hammer on Twitter, MK Hammer Time on Instagram. Thank you for being with us, and uh, we'll see you soon. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast.